we'll get started. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here today. We pray that you would bless your word and that you would work through your word in our lives to help us to be the, the people you intend us to be. And uh, we, we ask that you would help us to be the people that you intend us to be in light of the grace that you have shown to us, in light of the mercy, the forgiveness, the salvation that you have poured out on us. And we pray, Lord, that that would then inform and impact how we live. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we started Romans 13 last week, and we made it all the way through verse 1. Um, yeah. We'll see, uh, hopefully we'll do a little bit more uh, today, but um, uh, I'm going to reread verses 1 through 7, and, uh, and then we'll kind of uh, start working through some of this. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who, res who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. For it is, not, for it is God's servant for your good. And if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger to bring wrath on those who do wrong. Therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. And for this reason, you pay taxes, since the authorities are God's servants continually attending to these tasks. Pay your obligation to everyone, taxes to those you owe taxes, tolls to those you owe tolls, respect to those you owe respect, and honor to those you owe honor. All right, so last week we talked about the whole authority thing and um, a little bit about places where we look at government that doesn't really fit with God's model, that the, uh, the government is there to be a blessing to us, that we might live in peace. And yet, as we think through the history of the world, there are lots of examples of bad government and uh, even what we would call evil and corrupt. Um, you know, so how do we live in relationship to that? Um, and a, a big part, I think, of where we left uh, the idea of living under a bad government um, was the idea of prayer. That we, uh, you know, we, we pray for the government and we pray that, that God would work through the government, that it would do the things that he desires. That it would be the type of thing that brings life and peace uh, to the people. So, that all having been kind of recapped a little bit, thank you so much, Bob. Um, I've got one. They, they okay, all need Well, that's one. the original. So. Oh, that's the original? Thank you. Um, are there times, in light of this, you know, this statement that, you know, there's authority, that every authority exists that is from God, um, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, are there times to rightly resist governmental authority? What do you think? Right, and this is one of those passages that we don't take passages on their own. You know, they're, they're part of a, a much, bar, much larger body of scripture. 
And one of the, uh, the key principles for understanding the Bible is scripture interprets scripture. So if you come to a difficult passage, you have to hold that with other passages that speak to a similar topic. Um, so we think about this in terms of, you know, you have a government that's corrupt. Is there a situation where we're going to resist it? Sure. Um, what if we resist the governing powers in all righteousness and they respond negatively? Which is what they do, right? You resist the government and you get arrested or you, you know, get fined or what do you do with that? Stand firm in the faith. But it's not fair. There's no such thing as fear. I was raised that way. Christians certainly should be prepared to not expect fear. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's always been that way. Yeah. Yeah. We expect redemption after we're dead. Yeah. And I think that this is one of the things that as I'm looking at American culture, uh, particularly American Christian culture, um, that the church is struggling with a little bit. Um, in the past, the church has held a privileged place in society. And so when the church spoke to the government, that was just taken. And, and there were times where um, the church was obnoxious to the government, I'm sure, um, but it was the church, and, and so it was respected. I think that those days are done. Well, I mean, they've been gone for at least 50 years. I think so, too. Yeah. I think so, too. And um, I don't think that the church has glommed onto that in all sectors, though. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't think the church has glommed on to that reality in all, all sectors of the church. Um, there, there are still parts of the church that want to operate from a position of power and privilege. Yeah. And, uh, um, and then we respond accordingly you know, when there's pushback to when we stand up for what the Bible teaches or what we believe. And... When the church experiences negative reaction from the, the powers of the world, I think it's completely fair to be disappointed, to be upset, but also to understand that this is normal, that this is the history of the world. And this is the way that life is for much of the world. Um, there are other parts of the world that when, um, when people gather as Christians, they live under constant fear that somebody's going to show up and take a significant portion of them away. There are parts of the world where they gather together even though they fear that somebody could show up and take them outside and kill them. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think there's also... There was a time when the church concentrated on things that were believed by a large majority of Christians. Things involving compassion, caring for the poor, and, 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 and those sort of things. And now we've fallen into where there's right-wing Christians and left-wing mm -hmm. Christians. Mm -hmm. And there is no... There, there's, there's, 
on many issues, there is no Christian viewpoint because we all disagree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I think I would I'd pull that back and, and say it's not that we gathered around the things that we agreed on. I think that the church actually lost its proper center, mm -hmm. salvation through Christ. That yeah. and and then they focused on these good works which the world looks at and says, yes, those are good works. We like it when you do those things. But I don't think there's much lobbying to be done on, on behalf of salvation. No, yeah. there's not. And, and so because we lost that, we became more focused on doing good stuff in the world that the world says, yes, we like it when you do that. And we get the kudos and life becomes easy rather than sin and grace. Now, did I just say that we shouldn't have been doing those things? I did not say that. No. But I think that the church became more focused on being socially active than bringing the gospel of the forgiveness of sins to sinners. I see what you're saying. I, I think it's a both all and not either or. It, it is a both that doesn't necessarily cost you anything in terms of focusing on salvation just because you're looking at these other things. Now we're no, all no. human, so we only have so many hours a week to put into things. But, uh, no, I, I, and I agree, it is a both and. Mm -hmm. All of that should be happening. But what I find as I look at the history of the church, what I think I find as I'm observing is that people tend to focus either on one part of the picture or the other, and we don't do a good job of keeping it connected. And I think that the American church in particular, with its emphasis on success and doing and accomplishing and achieving, because that's what America's all about, right? Um, I think it tends to focus more on these things the, the things of, you know, how are we going to do good in society rather than how do we do good in the soul and care about the forgiveness of sins and the transformation of sinners? Well, I would, if I could just continue. Please. I would, I would suggest that rather than focusing on either one, it's what you mentioned, keeping them connected. Yes. That's where the focus needs to be. Yes. So that we don't have to make this choice so much, but we can say... This, this totality is what, is what Christianity is about. I, I agree. I agree. But okay. people being people, yeah. this is what I'm observing happening. Um, yeah. you know, and on this side, the, the side of let's make the difference in the world, uh, I see people losing the word of God. Mm -hmm. And I see on the side where we're going to focus on sin and sinners, losing the deeds of God. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think a lot of Christians today have forgotten that we are to live on the world and not in it. Yes. And they factor too much about, I don't want to say competing with the Joneses, but somewhere along the line they've lost their belief and they don't want to be the bad guy and stand right. up for what they want. They, they cave into um, people's ridiculing them. Right. And but to me, that's not important. I always tell my girls, this is Satan's playground. Doesn't really matter. It will be not favorable to you. Just won't happen. 
because this is his control and it will ne he will never be in favor. It's but just the way it is. Jesus does refer to Satan as the prince of this world. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Iftikhar. I think uh, there is like two thoughts that came up in my mind. Number one is when we are doing our deeds or when we are doing our actions, first thing first, uh, we always keep in mind that God is with us, whom shall I fear? Number one. Yes. We do our job, you do your job. I don't want to mess with your business, you don't mess with my business. So that's like solution number one. Solution number two is um, we have the belief system installed <laughs> in our brain that when nobody's watching, God is watching me. I don't need the kudos, I don't need the clapping from people. I don't need any judgment. What I'm doing, whether it's right or wrong, that God is only one who judges me. And he's, he's seeing with me. So I really do not need any kind of false encouragement or like false um, kudos that you says from other sources. Yeah. Yeah, and yet, if we look at people, you know, the idea of I serve an audience of one, I think that there is an element of truth to that, that you know, we cling to when we face difficult times. I'm not gonna lie, I, you know, if somebody, if the, if the governor were to find out about sandwich people and he wanted to thank you and, and all of those you know, who are involved with this wonderful thing that's feeding the, the hungry in the community, I'd be pretty chuffed. That'd be, yeah. a, that'd be a neat thing to be recognized like that. And that's just human. Exactly. I would say, okay, fine, that's something bonus, but let's focus on the main deed. <laughs> sure, you sure. You give us some bonus, okay, fine, I'll take it. But hey, yeah. God is watching, He's watching me, what yep. I do. Yep. So Paul asks the question, do you want to be unafraid? He says, do what is good. Um, now, when we say do what is good, I think what we're talking about here is civic righteousness. The things that people in general will say, you know, yeah, this is what a good citizen looks like. Oh, you're not stealing from your neighbor. You know, you're not killing people. You know, you're helping people. You, you are being kind. You know, all, all of those kinds of things. If you do those kinds of things, you're generally not going to run afoul of the government. Right? You don't think so? Not following you. <laughs> What's that? I'm not following you on that question. Uh, so, if you uh, if you live your life quietly, and you're not you know massing bodies in your basement, uh, you're not swindling on your taxes. If you're not um, you know punching your neighbors, you know if you're not uh, ripping people off, you know are, are you going to find yourself in a lot of trouble for the most part? Right. That's what this is saying. If you live as a kind of a, a decent person in the world, a, you know, a good citizen, you're not going to run into trouble with the government. Or your neighbors. Or your neighbor. You know, and the government is kind of an extension of your neighbor, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so uh, some of this seems like, well, duh. But it's also saying the government is there. It's there for a purpose. 
It's not there to make your life difficult, even if it does operate that way sometimes. It's there to make sure that there's life and peace and goodness and you can thrive as a citizen. And if you don't want to run afoul of it, well then don't do the things that cause you to run afoul of it. Don't break the laws. Don't cause trouble. Yeah, as long as the government confines itself to that. Right, yeah. right. We serve a higher authority, mm -hmm. right? So we, we, we already said that all authority is from God. We are servants of God. You know, and so there are times where we're going to have to mm -hmm. not follow. And that's okay. And when that happens, we'll accept the consequences. And, yep, this is, this is what is right, you know, according to the laws of the land. And I think accepting the consequences is a really important part of that. I do, too. I think people end up, you know, like if you, if you protest something from one side or the other and you get arrested, I, I think it's not a time for whining about being arrested. It's right. a time to say... I think Navalny is a great example. I don't know if he's a Christian or... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Sort of, who knows in his heart of hearts. Right. But, you know, who says, yeah, they're going to poison me, they're going to put me in prison, but as someone once said, here I stand. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think you can look back to the martyrs of, of the church. Yeah. yeah. Many of whom, you know, arrested because they were preaching the gospel and taken to execution, and you don't read about them screaming and hollering and you know protesting. No. They go peacefully, knowing that what is coming after is greater than what is happening to them at that moment. You know, and I think that um, if we were to get in trouble um, because of our faith, because of preaching the, the, the gospel, then there's a time and a place to be at peace with that and to trust the government into God's hands to sort things out. Um, were you going to say something, Ken? I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay, I saw the hand move. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so, what does it say the purpose of the government is? What is the, the governor or whomever, um, uh, God's servant? He's God's servant for what purpose? Peace. What else? Good, Good conscience. conscience. Good conscience. What else? The Avenger for those who do wrong. The Avenger. Yeah. So, which one of those things though is primary in the list? I'd like to say Avenger. I would like to say that sometimes too, but it's really that we would have peace, that we would be able to live peaceably together. And uh, you know, as you look at that, 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 that may be his primary purpose, um, but he does have a sword. And he does not bear the sword for nothing. Now, that gets us into the topic of capital punishment. And uh, so capital punishment, I, I want to share some thoughts 
Um, verse 4 says, uh, he is your servant for your good. He's God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid because he does not carry the sword for no reason. He is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one that does wrong. So, um, according to this passage, is capital punishment within the realm of authority of the government? Maybe. Yes. Coercion, force, power, ultimately, you know, that's what swords are for. Now, I believe firmly from what this says that the government does have the, the power and the authority to use force to correct and also to wage just wars and, you know, keyword being the just, which makes it really difficult. Um, and then uh, uh, all of that. But does it say that the state must execute the criminal? No. There's a big difference between may and must. This is one of those places that becomes different between Israel um, and, you know, the modern state. You know, ancient Israel, there were crimes where God says this person should be executed for what they did. Mm -hmm. And his family. And the family even, yeah. Um, you know, punishing the children for the sins of the fathers of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, right? Um, that being said, the state may have that power, but that does not mean that they have to, if you'll pardon the pun, execute it. They don't have to use it in that way. Um, I personally think that there are uh, situations where it might be in the best interest of the state so that people can have peace and harmony to take a particular person who is particularly dangerous if they cannot keep the people safe from that person mm -hmm. to remove them yeah. and take their life so that others can be safe. But we have ways of doing that, removing them without having to kill them. Mm -hmm. And as I, as I've, as I thought this through, when I was, when I was younger, I was, uh, uh, I, I was pretty pro-capital punishment. Um, not like, you know, yay, um, you know, let's execute somebody, but, you know, well, the state should do this, and it needs to happen, and it you know, brings justice and, and all of these things. But I find myself more and more in tension in terms of what I desire as a Christian and my thoughts about what brings actual justice in the world. Um, as a Christian, we desire all people to come to faith, right? Mm -hmm. We desire for people to come and receive forgiveness and salvation, right? Even the worst sinners, the most violent, the most vile. Um, here in Ohio, there was a young man by the name of Jeffrey. Jeffrey Dahmer, right? He was from this area, a little bit north of here, I think, Cleveland area. I've heard that he came to faith in prison. Yeah, and I saw the um, interviews, I think it was 60 Minutes, doesn't matter, uh, when they were interviewing the family members of the boys he killed, and they asked 
the family members what they thought of his death, and their heart went out to Downer's family. Yeah. At his death. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot of forgiveness. Yeah. It is. I always, you know, Pastor Doer used to talk about thinking about dying and, and being, you know, in front of judgment and that, and seeing Mother Teresa lying ahead of him, and, and Jesus saying, you know, we expected more of you, Mother Teresa. You didn't quite, you know, you didn't really make the grave on your own, which is, of course, true for anybody. Right. And I said, well, I also have a vision of, of being next to Jeffrey Dahmer, and, and, and God saying, you know, given all the stuff that we stuck in your head, you did a great job. You only killed X number of people and then got yourself arrested. So congratulations. We don't have the, the wisdom to figure this stuff out. What, we, we, do, what yeah. we do have the wisdom to understand, though, is that Christ redeems sinners. Yeah. Oh, yes. You know, and so, you know, when we stand before the judgment seat of God, it's not my righteousness that matters. It's Christ's righteousness. And this is true for prisoners as well. Um, when, I, when I did my internship, my vicarage, um, I was in Leavenworth, Kansas. Do you know what the major uh, industry of Leavenworth, Kansas is? Prisons. There are five of them. Yeah, there, there are five of them. Um, there's the military prison, there's the federal prison, there's a men's state prison, there's a women's state prison, and then there's a, a juvenile detention center. Okay. Other than the military, that's the major industry of Leavenworth, Kansas. Mm -hmm. um, I have been in uh, the men's prison, uh, the, the federal prison, and the military prison. The military prison was amazing. I mean, these, these guys are still soldiers, sailors, marines. Right. They, they don't wear a you know, regular military uniform, but they have a uniform. It is pressed. They are clean. They march. I mean, it, all of it. it. It is something to behold. Um, the, uh, the other prisons are a little bit scary. Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, it's... It, mm. You know, I was... And please stop me if I've told everybody this before. I have a hard time remembering. What I tell the same stories over and over again. Okay. <laughs> but I was on a jury once where the prosecutor, he had a weak case to begin with, but he really blew it because he didn't understand the Bible. Oh. And the defendant was schizophrenic. Not necessarily the most ideal witness to put on the stand. And so the question was whether he had taken revenge on his employer by stealing a bunch of tools. The employer owed him a bunch of back wages. And the, the lawyer said, well, you know, he owed you all these back wages. Did that make you angry? And he said, yes, it did. And then the prosecutor says, so what did you do about it? And he says, I went to church. And then he quotes the Bible and says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Which, of course, means it's mine, it's not yours. But the prosecutor took this as a, an admission of guilt, that he was talking about himself taking vengeance. Yeah. And he built his whole case around that, and the jury was sort of... <laughs> <laughs> and he came in afterwards, after he lost the case, 
he came in to, to say, okay, what did I do wrong? <laughs> I said, oh, interesting. You need to read your Bible and understand it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, when I think about uh, the power of the state to execute, um, I, I may not must. Um, my desire as a Christian is that all people would come to faith and repentance, that they would receive the forgiveness that Jesus died to win for them. That might require some time. It would require also a robust chaplaincy. You know, we, we need good people serving in prisons who relate and are able to share the gospel with people in some of the worst types of people. You know, it's, it's an amazing job. The, the men and women who do that work, I, I am in awe. Um, it, it's hard stuff. Um, and I've come to learn over the years that capital punishment is not an effective deterrent of crime. So what you have here is you, you have a word from God that gives this authority, and then you also have our desire as Christians in, in the life of the people that are involved, and then you also have a little bit of understanding human nature. And this is a, a lesson that I learned from history. Um, people, people always believe that it won't happen to them. And a glorious example of this is that in the Middle Ages, it was the punishment for being a cut purse, right? Because at that time, Pants did not have pockets. Mm -hmm. You carried your money in a little you know, bag, and, you know, and they would slit it and take the, the coins. Um, the, the punishment for being a cut purse was hanging, which was, in a time before Netflix, apparently great entertainment. And the whole community would come out to watch the hangings. And as the whole community gathers and they're watching, do you know who's working through the crowd? More cut purses. <laughs> because everybody believes I'm more skilled, I'm more clever, I see the one that I, you know, it won't happen to me. I was just reminded of this, I was watching, my, my girls have been re-watching the Marvel movies, and uh, in the, the first Thor movie, um, there's a line where Thor and his, his friends are going to go and they're going to start a fight and, um, you know, it, it's, it's not a good situation. And uh, Thor says, I do not intend to die today. And uh, Heimdall, the one who has to let them through, says, none do. But we all are like, oh, no, it won't, not me. Mm -hmm. I'm special. That's human nature, you know, and, and so, you know, it, it doesn't work. And therefore, wisdom needs to be applied here in the use of force. Yeah, Ed. And I, I, I've seen data, research, where they compare the certain, you know, even though everybody thinks it will never happen to me, it's not a binary thing. It's, right. I think it's not likely to happen to me. 
Right. I, you know, that if you can increase the probability of apprehension, that makes a much, much larger uh, impact on the crime rate than does the absolute horror of the penalty. Right. So if, 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 if your cut persons really, you know, know that well, they've only got a one in five chance of getting away with this, but if they are caught, they'll be in jail for five or ten years. Yeah. That is liable to, to, to reduce their their rate of, of activity more than saying, oh, we'll only catch one in a thousand, but that one's going to happen. You know, and think about this a little bit differently, too. The United States is a you know, capitalist country, right? Yeah. High risk equals high... Return. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, it's risky. I could die. Yeah. Or I could be ridiculously wealthy. How's it going to turn out? I bet you it's going to be over here. That's, it's human nature. So I, that's where I end up on, on, on that. And, uh, um, you know, I, I would encourage you to think about that in terms of, you know, how we handle that in our, our government. Um, there is another word in here that is highly offensive to people. Um, it is the word submission. We uh, do not like this word. Um, I, I have had so many conversations with people who just, they really do not like the idea that I must submit to anyone. And I think that this I think that this is also a peculiarly North American, United States American issue. Um, it's a human issue, but I think it's really strongly evident, you know, in the United States where we are free citizens, you know, and we take freedom to a, a whole different degree than other parts of the world do. Um, so to submit to somebody, um, it, it means to recognize them as maybe more important to you. Um, I do think that part of the reason that people get uptight about this word is that submission, it can have the sense of being forced to submit, forced into a lower position. Um, I, I think I told the story about wrestling with my brothers and doing the small package thing where, you know, cry uncle, cry uncle, you know. Um, if you have to submit in that way, that, that is something that is burdensome and, and uh, you know, bad. But you also um, can look at submission as an act of humility and trust. You know, the word that is, is here literally um, means to place oneself under. It's something that's voluntarily done. Um, you know... Now, when we look at the government and we see ourselves in a, in a place of submission, here in the United States, you know, we have a voice, you know, we have certain rights in relationship to the government and all of those things. I understand that and we should exercise those things appropriately. Um, but that being said, dealing that with these things with humility and also trusting that God is at work in the situation. And when it's appropriate, trust for the people who are involved it's it's good and it's right and i think it's good for society 
even though we do all know that there are people who are not worthy of such trust. And we know that there are people who are not worthy of such trust who serve in government. Um, and Paul says that he, he kind of puts a, a tension in front of us that we can be submissive uh, out of fear of wrath or out of conscience. And this goes back to my story about my kids and asking my, telling my kids to clean the room. You know, as a father, I have authority in my house to say, do these things. And even the right to expect that they would be done. And I want them to be done out of conscience, out of their love for me. Actually, what I'd really like is for them to notice that it needs to be done and to, be, to do it without having to tell them that it needs to be done. But having almost all grown kids now, I don't think that will ever happen. Um, but uh, uh, this, this, this sense of, I'm going to do these things out of love, I'm going to, that's kind of the Christian desire there. But don't you think submit also is a sign of respect? Yes. I submit to my bosses. Yes. Position is, but it's also a sign of respect. That yes. Submit to them and give them whatever. You are correct. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. In that same spirit, Paul says, Christians submit yourselves to each other. Exactly. So it's symmetrical. Mm-hmm. And said other things, you know, having been a boss and a worker, it's symmetrical. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you're the boss, sometimes you have to say, this is how it needs to be. You do, but I think the other perspective is I, I'm willing to treat anyone as an equal, whether they're above me or below me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just because you say that something... <laughs> just because you say something needs to be a particular way doesn't mean that you disrespect the person. No, and, and sometimes it's a question, you know, organizationally, of who has the overall picture that yeah. you can't always take the time to make someone who's working for you understand why it has to be done this way. Right. It's nice if you can take the time to do that, but you can't sure. always do it. But I see the other parts of, of the process that's what's going on, and, and I know, and I, I would hope you can trust me to, to, that I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that can go bottom up as well. It does. So sometimes it's like, no, if I move this thing over here, the bottom's going to explode. So I really think we ought to, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, when my dad was in the uh, union as an electrician, that was one of the things that frustrated him. You know, my dad had, are there any electrical engineers here? My dad had no good things to say about electrical engineers. <laughs> he, was, he was a master electrician. Uh, and you know, so these electrical engineers would be hired as supervisors. Yeah. And they know a lot about electronics, you know, and they have a lot of their own knowledge, but they do, they didn't understand the systems. They didn't understand how things went together and how they worked and, and all of those things. And these are the things that he spent all of his days on. And he would come home just so frustrated because well, the foreman, who has a degree in you know, electrical engineering, 
doesn't understand. And he won't listen because I know more. Sometimes the bottom leads up. Absolutely. This is this is not really that, but I just looking back over things it always impressed me with certain sorts of spy movies and that that I always wondered where there was the terrorist handbook that said you always connect the critical part of a bomb to the blue wire. Oh yeah, yeah. There is a trope there, isn't there? So do we ever obey the law out of fear of being caught and out of potential penalties? Yes. Sure. Sure. How many taillights do you see when somebody sees a policeman on the road? That's right. <laughs> you know, and I don't understand this. This is something I've observed in Ohio. Um, you could be going along at 70 in a 70 mile an hour zone and you see a state trooper and all of a sudden all the brake lights come on. I know. <laughs> I'm like, you were, you, you're going the speed limit. Yeah. It just allows you to get <coughs> It's just automatic. They might, have, they might have contraband in the car. Well, <laughs> Jill always quotes Luther in that situation. What's that? Symbol. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, the, the other stuff that you guys just talked about, um, that, I mean, that is, a, that is a very nice case where we can use uh, the gift of submission. Like, when I, when I see situations like that, I'm like, hang on a minute. I know you know a lot better than me. You have been working here for years and you have a lot of experience. I don't mind. I want, can we just do this stuff together? You share 50%, I share 50%. We do it together to make it 100%. Well, we have been putting to this situation together, so we got to get out of this situation together. We have to solve the problem together. So you give some of your ideas, I give some of my ideas. Let's see how it goes. I submit myself. That can work in relationships, yeah. you know, but it doesn't always work in, in certain systems. You know, I think about my brother. My brother is a lieutenant colonel in the army. You know, and uh, um, there are times where a military commander gives an order and it just, it needs to be done. You know, and is there room for feedback and all of that? Absolutely. Um, you know, it, I, when I talk with him about leadership, you know, he's like, I don't, I don't know how you do it, Eric. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you're, you're leading a church. You know, I'm like, yeah, and, you know, he goes, when I tell somebody to do it, they do it. Oh, yeah. He goes, you can't. I was like, no, I really can't. I like to say sometimes, here's the extent of my power. When I'm standing in front of church, I do this and people stand up. Yeah. And I do this and people sit down. <laughs> I have to mention the Becca Valley air battle. Say that again? The Becca Valley air battle. Okay. This was during the Egyptian-Israeli war. And the Israelis just totally wiped the floor with the Egyptian pilots. So what's, what was the difference? The Egyptian pilots were trained by the Russians. And the commanders were on the ground with radios telling them when to turn left and when to turn right. Oh, yeah. And the Israeli pilots were trained by Americans and made their own decisions in the moment. Yeah. And 
in a, in a supersonic fighter, you don't have many moments. You no. know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, some of that stuff's really interesting. Um, looking at leadership and, uh, and and even in the military, you can't micromanage. There's uh, a sense of uh, the intent of the order. You know, this is what this is what needs to be accomplished. Go. You know, I'm not as concerned about how you get there. Mm -hmm. You know, and yeah. So. Um, he goes on to talk about another really popular topic with taxes. Um, and he, he says to, that we should pay them. Um, and this is very in line with, with Jesus' ministry. In Matthew 17, um, there is a, a temple tax uh, that is uh, in question. And it's been asked whether or not Jesus has paid for that that temple tax and he sends Peter back to pay it um, miraculously but uh, but he still submits to the Jewish leaders of the time you know and uh, they had they had tithes and offerings but they also had a you know this is the tax and then in Mark chapter 12 uh, is the very famous uh, should we pay taxes to Caesar you know and uh, give me the coin. Whose picture is this? Whose inscription? Caesar's. Give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and the things to, of God to God. Which, by the way, which things belong to God? First. Oh, everything. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I want to say a couple words about the, wor the words that are used here when it says taxes. That word can also be uh, translated tribute. You know, I think that has a little bit of a different nuance. Uh, a tribute is usually given to somebody who is in power. Tributes are usually given between um, governments um, where one is in more power than the other. It's almost like a protection racket type of a thing. You know, and he says, give it, pay it. Um, when it says tolls, um, that's custom duty. You know, so if you've ever traveled internationally, you come in, and if you've got some goods with you, you might have to pay a, a, a customs on that, right? Yeah. You know, and he basically, you know, as you're going about your business, you know, when there are, are these custom duties, these tolls that must be paid, pay them. Um, I think of I-80, uh, you know, the, the turnpike here. Um, my father-in-law just ground his teeth every time he drove on it and he had to pay to, to drive on it. And part of that was because, as he tells the story anyhow, or as he told the story, um, when the turnpike was built, he was told, the, the, or the taxpayers were told, we will only collect tolls until it's paid for. And uh, I, I think we're past that point now from what I understand. But how do you maintain it? And that's the decision that was made. And he was just really, you know, I voted for, you know, till it's paid for. And now I'm still paying for it, even though it's paid for. Um, well, Paul says, smile, pal. You know, pay the toll. I say take an extra two hours and go around. Yeah. <laughs> that's a legitimate option. Um, then you pay for it in gasoline tax. And irritable husband. 
uh, respect. The word here is actually the word phobos, uh, or fear. Um, if you owe fear to someone, give them, you know, that respect. Uh, and then honor. The idea of honor is really rooted in the idea of valuing somebody. You know, that you would value them as they ought to be valued. Those last two points about respect and honor are badly violated in the political climate of the United States these days. It, it, it's, it's really sad. Um, you know, and understand, you know, we could take a Pollyanna-ish look at this and say, you know, oh, I can't believe that this is happening. But this has actually been the way of the United States, uh, all the way back to George Washington, really. Um, our, politic, our political system has not always respected and honored others, um, particularly political opponents. Um, and uh, um, that being said, I do think that the times that we are in are particularly negative. Um, I was uh, uh, recently uh, listening to a, a, a podcast, don't be shocked, um, but it, talking about history and uh, you know, basically saying that uh, this is probably the worst it's been since the 1860s in terms of the the, the political animosity, the lack of respect and honor that are being shown to people with differing opinions and views. Do we know what happened then? We yeah. do. Yeah. We do. Um, and I think that this is one of the reasons that it's particularly important for Christians um, to display a different attitude, an attitude that's rooted in the mercies of God as Paul started out this, this section in chapter 12. In view of the mercies of God, how are we going to conduct ourselves? And I think that uh, if um, more people uh, in the church and more church bodies would show respect and honor, um, that could be a good witness to our society. So, some thoughts. It's time to go to church. Um, when we come back next week, we'll uh, continue with verse 8. So, but don't, don't expect that kind of, uh, uh, of increase in the number of verses that I cover. You know, last week I covered one. This week I, I got another, what, seven, six, six verses. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd have, exactly, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I thank you that we could be here today. I pray that you would bless your word and that you would help us to be the kind of people who live in light of your mercies as we engage this world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.